0: each one of you are here because you were called you were predestined the Bible says to be conformed to the image of Christ That he called you to be like him. The Bible says he'll complete the good work he started in you. And you're here because he started that work. And the good news is he'll complete it through the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Just in this moment, I just want to encourage us to surrender anything that isn't from God any burden that you're carrying that isn't from Him. Whether it's guilt, whether it's shame, whether it's condemnation, whether it's fear, thank you lord you've not given us a spirit of fear or timidity but a spirit of power love and a sound mind and i thank you that your blood speaks better things your blood is greater than fear than anxiety than depression that guilt, shame, and condemnation, that they must flee at the mention of your name. Thank you that your mercy triumphs over judgment. So, if someone here tonight is feeling judged, understand that his mercy is new every day. That that mercy triumphs over any judgment that you're feeling. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We glorify you tonight. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here with us. We give you this atmosphere. We give you this pulpit to lead to God to speak as you will. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Lord. Good evening, everyone. Like I said, we um There's a wedding in the community, so there's a few faces missing. But um, it's good that we can all be together. Amen. And thanks for the team for uh, stepping in stepping up, doing a fantastic job. But who's excited to hear from the Word of God tonight? Amen. All right. So... You know, um, well, I was praying about what to preach on earlier in the week and felt like it was confirmed a few times, but God wanted me to speak from Philippians 3. And I thought, okay, that's a whole chapter. So, God, where do you actually want me to speak from from Philippians 3? And when I was reading it, one thing stood out for me. And it was the word, um, press on. So I'm going to read the full scripture, and then um, we'll get into it. But if you want to go to Philippians 3, if you've got it. Philippians 3. Paul says, Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble for me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and take pride in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself could boast as having confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he is confident in the flesh, I have more reason. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as loss because of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them mere rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if somehow I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already grasped it all, or have already become perfect, but I press on. But I press on. Not that I've already grasped it all, or have already become perfect, but I press on. If I may also... Take hold of that for which I was even taken a hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. ...of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature, let's have this attitude... ...and in anything you have a different attitude... ...God will reveal that to you as well. However, let's keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Press on. Paul's encouraging us to press on. Now, has anyone heard the expression, eye on the prize... You know, you might be doing something, and some one of your friends wants to encourage you, and they say, "Hey, eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the prize." And it's like Paul is encouraging us to do the same thing, but our prize is Christ, and he's saying, "Keep the eye on the keep your eye on the prize. Press on towards Christ, and count everything else. He calls he calls it garbage." He says, I let go of everything else, considering it garbage or rubbish because he was so focused on the prize. He was so focused on the upward call of Christ. And it's interesting, Paul, um, he he uses a lot of analogies uh, about athletics or running in a lot of his letters. And it makes sense because at that time, uh, things like Games like the Olympics were a, were a big thing. That's how people entertained themselves. They didn't have iPhones or Facebook at that time, so all they had were <laughs> sports, really. So they, that's how they kept the people occupied. And Paul uses running as an analogy in a lot of his letters. In 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24, he says, Do you know that in a race, All the runners run, but only one receives the prize. And he says, run in such a way that you take the prize. And he's saying, treat your walk as a run. (laughs) Treat your walk as a race where you're fixated on winning. Now, don't let this confuse you. Paul's not saying it's a competition to beat other believers. He's not saying your goal is to beat your brothers and sisters. No, he's not saying that at all. He's saying run towards Christ and put everything you've got into it. And he's saying, when he says only one receives the prize, it's like, well... If you're not going to win, what's the point of racing? If you're not going to win, what's the point of of being in this? So he, he uses it again in Philippians 3 verse 12, which I just read. And he says, I press on so that I may take hold of that for which... I was taken a hold of by Christ. And he repeats that word, pressing on again. And it's interesting what he says. He says, not that I've become perfect, but I press on to take a hold of what Christ took a hold of me. Now, we can look at that word and say, well, um, you know, what, is, what does perfect mean? You know, what's, what's he saying? Um, because the Bible does say, hey, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. But then other people will say, but hang on a sec, um, does that mean we're never going to sin? And, you know, the Bible says, he who says he's, he, he doesn't sin is a liar. So we've got to understand what he means by the word perfection here. And what he means is, in, in the Greek, it's the word teleos, which means complete, full grown and mature. So, Paul's saying, even Paul himself, he's saying, Hey, I've got to admit, I haven't become complete, mature, and whole, but I'm pressing on into that maturity and into that full grown nature in Christ Jesus. And he's encouraging us to do the same. And he says later on in this letter, like he does in a lot of his letters, and he says, Hey, imitate me. So, he's not saying, Hey, I'm Paul. I'm called to, to this race and no one else is. He's saying, mate, I'm called to this race and so are you. I'm, I'm running. I've got my eye on the prize and I want you, everyone, to imitate me as I'm running this race. It's very easy to think, okay, people have uh, different... That was, that, was, um, that was Paul's call and Paul had a unique call And he had an amazing encounter with Christ. He had the road to Damascus moment. He saw Jesus. And Jesus called him uh, to to do mighty works. And he wrote the letters. And he was an apostle. And that was just Paul. It's it's not me. But Paul's actually saying, no, you're called. You're called to the same race. Doesn't mean it's going to look exactly like Paul's call. But. You are called to the upward call of Christ. Now, it's interesting. You're going to run. You're going to run some way. And I'm sure some of you will relate to this when I say it. But in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, it says, Where there is ignorance of God, the people run wild. Where there is ignorance of God, people run wild. And Paul's saying, run towards Christ. So the way I say it is, you're going to run either way. You're going to run towards Christ with your eyes fixated on Christ, or you're going to run wild. There is no in-between. And you might switch lanes from running wild to running for Christ. And there are struggles and there are battles for all of us. But Paul's saying, hey, don't let that be your testimony. Run. Press on. Press on towards the the prize of Christ. Now, why would he tell you to press on for for the prize if you can't attain it? Is Paul just being, like, brutal here and saying, go after this thing that you can never achieve? (laughs) Or is he encouraging us to press on toward the prize because we can actually get there? I believe he's encouraging us and saying, press on because you can. You can actually win the prize and just as he says at the end, "Hey, I've, I've run the race. I've finished the race. I've fought the good, the good fight." I believe you can say the same thing at the end of your race. And so often we've got an enemy trying to discourage us and tell us, "No, this isn't for you. This is for someone else. Who do you think you are running this race?" Or. Uh, you you know, just discouraging you, trying to bring you down, trying to get in the way, sending you off track. But this is a race for you. So he says, he says that I may also take hold of that for which I was even taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Paul recognizes Jesus took hold of him for a reason. That Jesus took hold of Paul for a purpose. And again, Jesus Christ, you are in this room, you are sitting here because Jesus Christ has taken hold of you for a purpose. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. But deep inside your heart, you know. The Holy Spirit has testified in your heart that you've been called for a purpose. And Paul's saying, I own the prize. I own the prize. So what does he mean by press on? You know, it's interesting, the analogy, because when you look at it in the Greek, the the Greek word is "epectenomai." It's Strong's 1901, and it's, I don't know what you think when you hear the word press on or the words press on, but the way it's described, thanks, bro, is, you know, at the end of the race when they're coming to the ribbon and the, the sprinters are running and then they do that lunge forward to, to be the first one across the line, that is what he's describing when he says press on. It's that actual lunge. It's like he's putting everything into it. That is how it's defined. It's not just running. It's not just keep running. It's like a sprint finish. And that's what Paul's encouraging us to do. It's like this lunge towards Christ, lunge towards his purpose. Lunge towards the things of God. So, how does that picture of lunging towards the prize, how would you compare your walk to that? And I'm not here to condemn anyone. Paul himself says, hey, I'm not there yet, but I'm pressing on towards it. So are you, where are you at? Are you running? Are you running out of steam? Are you injured spiritually and kind of limping down the track? Have you hit a wall? Have you fallen and can't get back up to even continue the race? Are you struggling to break your personal best, looking back thinking, I've stuffed up, my best days as a Christian are behind me? Or are you actually pressing on, as he says? It's interesting that the way he starts this letter, he says, I'm writing the same things to you again and it's no trouble for me and it is a safeguard for you. I love that. And Paul says, hey, this is going to sound a bit repetitive. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about something I always talk to you about, but it's actually a safeguard for you. It's to protect you, it's to protect your heart. So sometimes we can come to church And it might feel like deja vu, where you're hearing the same thing over and over and over again. And Paul's saying, hey, this is a safeguard for you. We need to constantly be reminded. (coughs) Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says, let us lay aside every weight And the sin which so easily enslaves us. And let us run with endurance the race set before us. Let us run with endurance the race set before us. Do you feel like you're running the race with endurance? How would you describe your race? If you were to picture yourself on the track, how would you describe it? And this is, this is great because we can. the Holy Spirit can actually locate us where we're at. And this isn't to point a finger at anyone. Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to condemn anyone. He wants to call us up. He wants to call us forward so that we can actually press on. So if there is something holding us back and we're going to get into some of the things that might be stopping us from pressing on, that we can overcome those things and move forward in Christ Jesus. Amen. So what are the, some of the things that stop us pressing on toward Christ? The first one is pride. In verse 12, Paul Admits that he's not there yet, and he says, "Hey, not I'm going to start this paragraph off by saying that I have not that I have already grasped it all or have already become perfect, but I press on if I may also take hold of that for which Christ even take uh, took a hold of me. I do not regard myself as having taken a hold of it yet, but." one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I find it remarkable that Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul can admit, hey, I'm still on this journey. I'm, on, I'm running this race and I'm not there yet. And one of the dangers we can have as Christians is believing that we've arrived. That, you know what? I have grasped it, or that I'm complete enough. And I'll be honest with you, this is a mistake I made in the past, where I had a pretty powerful testimony, God, I, I felt and you know I've shared it before. Maybe I'll, I'll mention what it is, just for the purposes of the example, but I came out of a homosexual or same-sex attraction background. And God called me out of that and freed me from that and restored me completely. And I came out of that and I was on fire for God and I thought, you know, like, I don't know anyone else who has, a, who has a testimony like this. And it actually made me prideful. And, and I actually felt like I'd, I'd arrived or that my testimony was complete or that God had finished the work in me not realising that there were still so many things that he had to work on in my heart, pride being one of them. So just acknowledging that, hey, I haven't grasped it all yet. I don't regard myself as having taken hold of that completion, that maturity, that wholeness yet, and confessing that to God. Because that's when we confess that, that's when the Holy Spirit can actually invade our hearts and move us forward. But if pride's in the way, we've got a wall up and the Holy Spirit can't come in and do that work. Number two, the second thing that stops us pressing on. Paul says, I don't regard myself as having taken hold of it yet, but one thing I do Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. So the second thing that can stop you pressing on is looking in the rearview mirror. Can you actually imagine running a race, sprinting towards the finish line, but you're looking behind you? How's that work? It's not going to end well. You won't be able to run if you're looking behind you. If you're fixated on the past. Some of us are trapped in the past. Past mistakes. And we can't seem to move beyond that. And maybe it looks like condemnation, maybe it looks like guilt or shame, maybe it looks like unforgiveness about something that's happened to us. Paul's saying, to press on, we need to resolve that. And you have every resource that you need in the blood of Jesus. That for whatever it is, there's mercy, there's forgiveness, there's compassion for you to heal, to move forward, and to move beyond. And then there is his empowerment to forgive as well. And so the question is: Do you? Are you being held back? Is your race being hindered by the rearview mirror, by being held back by something in your past? And it's not just negative things. Like I said before, it could be positive things. You might be looking at what God's done in your life already and thinking, this is this is it. All, all my life now is to um, preach the gospel and I'm not discouraging anyone from preaching the gospel, but we've got to understand that God is still doing a work in us, and he wants to take that work to completion. And if we think that we've arrived, then that's going to hold us back from moving forward. So, if you heard the expression like resting on your laurels, where you put your feet up and think, man, I've come to Christ. Um, and, And unfortunately, a lot of people preach that that hey, just come forward, pray this prayer, okay, you're, you've been adopted into God's family, you're a, you're a member of the body of Christ, you've been forgiven, you're going to heaven, just uh, you know, sign here on the dotted line thank you very much, now go and preach the gospel. Unfortunately people do preach that. And they preach it as though that is the, that is, you, you've arrived. And that Your purpose has been fulfilled. And now just preach the gospel. And again, I want to encourage everyone to to preach the gospel. But make sure the Holy Spirit is not stopped from doing the work (coughs) inside your heart. So don't rest on previous victories. Another risk is... um, relying on Christianity by association. So you can think, hey, I'm a part of this Bible-believing, spirit-filled church, and as long as I'm a part of this church, I'm, I'm going to be moving forward. And you can actually put your feet up in a way and rely on the community around you to move you forward. And don't get me wrong, church is God's idea. We need each other. We need the body of Christ. And we are here to encourage each other, to spur each other on. But what I'm warning you of is that you can get complacent in the body of Christ and rely on the body to move you forward rather than you partnering with the Holy Spirit yourself. So there's still a responsibility you have as an individual to pursue God yourself, to pray and to fast. And the body encourages you and supports you and spurs you on as you are pressing on toward the prize. But we don't get complacent as individuals in the body. Number three, what's another thing that stops us from pressing on? Paul says in, in verse 2 to 6, Paul says this, he says, Beware of the false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and take pride in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. We are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God And take pride in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. You know what's something that stops you pressing on? Confidence in the flesh. Putting your confidence in the flesh. And while I was praying, I felt the Holy Spirit give me me a picture of what that looks like. And actually, Paul gives us a very good picture in in the next verse. He says, uh, If anyone... Can be confident in the flesh. It's me, Paul says. He says, and I've got very good reasons to be confident in the flesh. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm, uh, I'm of the nation of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, one of the obedient tribes. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm a pedigree. I'm a purebred Hebrew. Um, I'm a Pharisee as to zeal. I was so zealous. I persecuted the church as to righteousness. I found blameless. I. I obeyed all the, all the pharisaical regulations and laws. Paul's saying, if there was anyone who could put confidence in the flesh, it's me. And the Holy Spirit gave me this picture while I was praying a few days ago. And it's like Paul is describing his identity here. This tribe, Hebrew of Hebrew, Pharisee, this is what this is who where i was from this is what i did this was my job i was a pharisee and and this is what i achieved i persecuted the church and these were my achievements i, I obeyed all the pharisaical laws and the holy spirit said look at look at your wallet and it's a similar thing and it's like the wallet represents or can represent confidence in the flesh, and it's it's like I, I opened it up, and it's like okay, there's my driver's license, my date of birth. This is this is who I am. Um, I've got my law card. This is you know I'm a I'm I'm a lawyer. This is my job. Um, I've got my bank card here, my, my bank balance, whatever it might be. I've even got some money. Um, I've even got my some money in here, which, which can give me some confidence. And I'm a member of all these other clubs and associations, and I can actually take a lot of confidence in this. And Paul's saying, take no confidence in the flesh. Take no confidence in, you, in, in having your identity in anything other than in Christ. And then I felt the Holy Spirit show me something else and I had this picture of putting Jesus in the wallet. You know how sometimes people put a picture of Jesus in the wallet? And it was like, is it Christ in me, the hope of glory, or... Christ incorporated is like by just putting a picture of Christ in the wallet I felt like the holy spirit was showing me that some of us can just incorporate Christ into our identity and into our life and he becomes another element or another aspect of our lives so he becomes another thing i'm a part of rather than him being in me the hope of glory and so paul's saying put no confidence in the flesh don't incorporate christ into the flesh it's christ and christ alone he is the prize. <clears throat> and it's interesting where he talks about circumcision. And he says, he says, beware of false circumcision. And he doesn't say, for we are the truly circumcised. He says, we are the true circumcision. So some of you might know circumcision was something God ordered Abraham to do. It was a sign of the covenant that God would have with Abraham and his offspring. And it represented giving flesh and giving blood. And obviously in the New Testament, Paul says it's not necessary anymore. And when we think about it, we know why, because Jesus himself at the Last Supper said, hey, I'm giving this flesh and I'm giving this this blood. You don't have to do this anymore. He's he's given it all. He's The perfect sacrifice. You don't have to sacrifice your skin and your blood anymore. He's done it all for us and it's complete. It's finished. And it's interesting that everything in the Old Testament was like an exterior thing. Whereas in the New Testament, it becomes an interior thing. So in the Old Testament... If you wanted forgiveness, you'd go and you'd get a lamb and sacrifice the lamb on the altar. Whereas in the New Testament, you sacrifice yourself. You don't sacrifice something else to God, you sacrifice yourself. You sacrifice your own heart to God. And in, It's interesting about circumcision, that the reason why Paul's saying, hey, don't, don't worry about it anymore, is because you can be circumcised on the outside but still have a sinful heart. And so Paul's trying to draw the distinction that it's not about what you do on the outside, it's about what's happening in your own heart. And so a circumcised body but a sinful heart are at odds with each other. And so Christ shifts us from outside religious activity to looking at our own hearts on the inside. And so when Paul says, we are the circumcision, what he's saying is, circumcision isn't something you do. It's something you are. Circumcision isn't something you do. Circumcision is someone that you are. And it's about your heart, your heart being circumcised. And the, the Old Testament prophesied that over and over again. For example, um, in Deuteronomy, it says, Circumcise the foreskin, the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. Circumcise the foreskin of your heart. So it's interesting, before Paul set, starts talking about pressing on, he's talking about, us walking as the true circumcision as having our hearts circumcised and that before it was that circumcision was a symbol of your devotion to god now it's circumcision of your heart that shows your devotion to god do we understand that does that make sense So, okay. So, don't put any confidence in the flesh. What's another one that gets in the way of you pressing on? And this is a big one it's discouragement. Where you might get to a point where you say, you know what? Victory in Christ is elusive. I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and it hasn't changed. And you give up. And you stop. You stop pressing forward, you stop pressing on. And although God says in his word, nothing is impossible with, with God, we form our own doctrine and we say, no, this is impossible. This situation's impossible. My healing's impossible. My sanctification's impossible. Me moving forward is impossible. Me improving my walk with God is impossible. And we begin to preach to ourselves something that completely contradicts what the Word of God says. It's for others, it's not for me. I'm defeated. And we begin to indulge in unbelief. John chapter 14 verse 1 says, Hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. So there's a responsibility on us to not get discouraged. And we could sit and wallow in our sorrow and say, God, why don't you come and help me with my discouragement? But he's already given us everything in his word and by the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, do not let your heart be troubled. So there's a a personal responsibility for you to actually seek out his word and get encouragement from the word of God. In Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it says this. It says, For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction... That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So if you're feeling discouraged and it's stopping you from pressing on, Paul's saying here, Romans 15 verse 4, he says, Through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, you might have hope. There's hope for you. There's truth for you. And let God's truth override any discouragement. Let God's truth dislodge any unbelief. Amen? So discouragement's a big one. Another one that gets in the way of us pressing on towards the prize is, and Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 8. I'm not, I'm not going to go there and read it all but it's being choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And this is a massive one. You know, Luke chapter 8, the parable of the sower. Maybe I'll just read that, that verse. We've got it here. And he says, The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word of God, hold fast to it in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. Isn't that a warning for us? And it's not just, hey, you stop your race, you stop pressing forward. But it describes it as actually being choked. And we know what happens when you get choked for long enough. That choking leads to death. Cares and riches and pleasures of life. Paul's saying, "Man, all those things, all the cares, all the riches, all the pleasures, I count them all as garbage. I let go of all of them for the surpassing glory of Christ. Isn't that amazing? That Paul knew that these things would choke his his race, would choke his run. And decide, hey, these are actually garbage. The world might look at them as the ultimate, the world might look at them as what we're to pursue. And he's saying, nah, it's garbage. Why on the prize? It's Christ. And If we want the remedy to the cares and riches and pleasures of life, he, in, in Luke chapter 8, Jesus actually gives us the answer in the final verse there, that when he says they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. But then he describes the good soil. and He says they are those who, hearing the word, Hold it fast, which in the New King James, it says they keep it. They keep the word in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So if we want to know the answer to all these problems, if, if you identified with any of this list that stops you from pressing on, Jesus gives us the answer at the end of in Luke chapter 8, verse 15, in describing the good soil. Because you might be rocky ground, but through the Holy Spirit you can be made good soil. You might be stony ground. You might be on the path, but that's not your destiny. You've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so no matter where you find yourself, you can actually be relocated to good soil. And Jesus tells us the good soil are people who hold fast to the word in an honest and good heart. And again, it's all about the heart. It's not about what you do. It's about what's going on in your heart. And that's why I said what I said before, that it's easy to think, oh, here he goes, banging on about the heart again. It's all we when we're here, the heart, the condition of your heart, the ah. heart. It's like, no, this is a safeguard for all of us, that we're to examine ourselves and examine our hearts and see where we're at. And The good news is that no matter what's going on in our hearts, it can be healed. No matter where we find ourselves, we can be transported and transplanted into good soil by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all we have to do is cooperate and participate in God's process. And all the answers are there. This isn't some uh, you know, mystery mission where you, know, you choose your own adventure and you've got to try and work it out yourself. No, it's, it's all there. It's a challenging process, but there's a clear pathway forward. And if we obey God and obey the word and obey his commandments, we can easily see the race before us. And so that an honest and good heart is about being honest with God, with where, where you're at, with your race. And saying, yeah, God, I'm not, I'm not pressing on. And these are, these are some of the things stopping me. And I want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to overcome these things. And how do we do that? The key is prayer and fasting. And if you want to see this, it might shock you. In Philippians 3, at the end of that chapter, it's not a very long chapter. Again, fasting and prayer is something that we we encourage a lot here because it's the only thing that is actually going to propel you forward. And years ago, for, and I'll give you this as an example, I used to, do count, I used to get a lot of counselling with a Christian counsellor. And it hit me a few years later that my, I, I actually believe my journey could have been accelerated so much more had I actually prayed more rather than seen, relied on a counsellor, a Christian counsellor. And it hit me that the Holy Spirit is the wonderful counsellor. But I was relying more on a Christian counsellor rather than the Holy Spirit himself to counsel me. And I still made some progress, but I can guarantee you my progress would have been a lot better and a lot quicker had I relied more on the Holy Spirit on a Christian counselor. Now I believe that God sent that Christian counselor into my life, but I could have co- cooperated and participated more in God's process to actually move me along quicker. <clears throat> so Paul says this, and I'll and I'll wrap up soon. He says, brothers and sisters, in this is verse seventeen, uh, in in Philippians three, he says, brothers and sisters, join in following my example. And observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you, even as I weep, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, those whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who have their minds on earthly things. Isn't it weird that? Paul, it's like the thing he he wants to point out here is people whose God is their appetite. Of all the things, Paul focuses. He's talking about pressing on. He's talking about um, attaining a standard. He's talking about the upward call of God in Christ Jesus And then he says, those who've turned away, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who have their minds on earthly things. I believe that that's related to fasting. And there are a lot of people who say, I can't fast, it's not for me, Um, I just can't do it, other people can do it, I can't do it. And we can actually turn our appetite into a, into a God. And there is something very, very powerful in starving the flesh. And like I said before, putting no confidence in your appetite or, or in your flesh and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And I can guarantee you that every time I've fasted, there has been a reward at the end of it whether it's a two-day fast, whether it's a longer fast, I want to encourage you to fast because when we're talking about the condition of your heart and the good soil and partnering with the Holy Spirit and working with the Holy Spirit, one of the best things you can do is fast because it strips strips away the flesh. It's just you bare, nothing to hold on to, nothing to rely on, nothing, no comfort. And the true you he stands before God. And it's very, very powerful. And so I want to encourage you to do that. But I do find it interesting that Paul talk, talks about people whose whose appetite is their God at the end of this chapter. And the final thing is, like I said it before, um, where in in Hebrews, Paul says, He says, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily enslaves us and let us run with endurance the race set before us. Lay aside every weight. Whatever is weighing you down, there is an answer to it in the word of God. You don't have to Struggle alone. You don't have to struggle in silence. You can come and see myself or Pastor Rabs or Pastor Tony. The worst thing you can do is suffer in silence. And God wants you to be free. Jesus' promise is come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. His promise is rest. And sometimes it's the burdens you're carrying that stop you from progressing in your race. And God wants to free you of that, whatever burden you're carrying. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, all the answers are in you. You are the wonderful counselor. You guide us into all truth, you remind us of everything Jesus said. you sanctify us by your truth. And I thank you that you come right now and reveal to each heart whatever it is you want to reveal. Whatever it is you want to deal with, Whatever it is you want to heal, no, thank you, you, you take the burdens, thank you, you bring the healing, you bring the restoration. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. That we love you. That you are our prize. We run towards you because you first loved us even whilst we were still sinners you loved us now thank you that love would become more real more apparent to each one of us now we would run towards you from that place not from a place of lack or need from a place of praise we praise you Jesus we worship you we thank you that your word never returns void thank you Jesus Gonna open up the altar if anyone wants prayer.